0: I'm going to open teaching time with a word of prayer and then I'll tell you what we're doing today and then uh ask for your prayers for me for next week. So, let's pray together. Dear heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity we have to be together here. We thank you for our class and we thank you, Lord, for the time we just had to share prayer requests and to bear one another's burdens. We pray that Lord, you've heard our requests, we, we pray that, and we know it's to be true. You did hear our prayer requests, and we just pray, Lord, that you'll help us to be faithful and patient to wait on your answer for how you choose to respond. And I also pray, Lord, for our hearts to be bent towards prayer as we've had this focus and as I'm going to be teaching this morning, Lord, I pray that prayer becomes second nature to us, many Prayer warriors are in this room, and, and for them, I'll just be saying excel still more. But for some of us, we struggle in this area, and I pray that you would use the exhortation of your word to give us a model and give us a a means to actually become doers of the word in relation to prayer. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, it's not a secret, I've talked about it before, that that prayer is becoming something that we want to prioritize at Lakeside. Not to the detriment of the teaching of the word, the things that we do well, which is teaching we want to continue to do, but we also recognize that it's possible for us to rely on our own strength as opposed to the Lord's strength. And so as an elder board, we met last week and we were talking about what this will look like, and we'll be talking about this, I'm sure, for several meetings because we want to lead our church we want to be examples to our church but we want to do it in a way that is productive and not disruptive or destructive so pray for us to have wisdom pray for us to be able to to know how best to facilitate prayer amongst ourselves and in light of all that's been going on in fact we actually read a book about prayer by Jim Symbola that pastor Steve recommended that as an elder board we all committed to read it and like with any book We don't agree with everything. There are some areas of theology where he would be slightly different But his exhortations on prayer are spot-on and our tendency to neglect prayer. So this morning I'm going to be teaching something that if you've been here a long time full disclosure I taught something like this back in 2011 but I also think it's appropriate for today. And so I am going to be teaching from the book of Colossians. So if you want to turn in your Bible or on your app to Colossians chapter 1, I'm going to be reading a longer section, but this is not as much of a word-by-word word dissection of the text as it is an exhortation based on what I believe is relatively an understandable aspect of this. So, the text that I'm going to read, it's not all that's on prayer in this book, but I'm going to read Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 to 14, and then I'm going to encourage us and exhort us to be doers of the word in this regard, and I'm going to give us a model that I think will allow us to effectively pray for one another. So, Follow along with me, as you know, I read from the New American Version, and I'm going to read beginning at verse 9. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. To please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience, joyously giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. As we look at this text, I'll put a little context there. I've taught a lot out of the book of Colossians. In fact, some time ago when Pastor Steve gave me some Sunday evenings, I've taught several messages from Colossians. But I'm always, I marvel at the book because years ago when I did a study of it, the city of Colossae is a little different than I would have imagined. Now, When I think about things, I can't imagine almost any of those cities. I can imagine Rome because it still exists. But I can't imagine Thessalonica or Corinth or all those things because you don't really see them. They don't really exist in the same way they did in biblical times. But the Apostle Paul makes it clear that he prayed for them. Not only him, but his ministry companions They prayed for them, and this is one of the things that struck me, and it's not the major point of what I'm teaching this morning, but I'm going to tie it in to why it's so relevant. Quite often, when we think to pray, we rightly pray for people that we think have an impact. So we should pray for Pastor Steve. Part of why I gave you that sheet my mind gets mixed up of which week it was, either last week or the week before, was it gives you something you can pray for, Pastor Steve. I was actually doing that this week. I had that sheet on my desk, remembering to pray. And at times, we also should be praying for our president and all those in government authorities. That's biblical. That's what's there. But we also, we need to not underestimate the power of praying for each other. And I know many of us do. We have a weekly prayer sheet at church And many of us do, but we have an impact for the body of Christ, even though we're nobodies. To my knowledge, and I do this, I've, see, I'm 54 years old, been saved since 1993. To my knowledge, I don't remember ever reading any of your names on the major news of the world. You may be movers and shakers, but to my knowledge, I don't remember reading any of our names fact, I never heard of any of you until I came here. Because <laughs> we're nobody. The city of Colossi, if you study it, was the most insignificant place, many say it's the most insignificant place that a letter was ever written to in the New Testament. There had been a time, centuries before, where it was prosperous, but the Romans, everything depended on their road system. And they redirected traffic, and Colossae was a forgotten city. There were three cities in the Lycus Valley, but Colossae was nothing. And always strikes me that the Apostle Paul, there was no strategy there. You're not moving mountains. You're not shaking kingdoms. This wasn't the movers and the shakers of the world. But there are no believers that are left behind. There are no believers that are not significant. One of the greatest apostles, certainly the man that God used to write so much of the Scripture, took the time Not just to write them a letter, but he prayed for these insignificant people over and over and over again. So let me encourage us. The way I've structured this is this is a way for us to pray for one another. I've got a lot of scriptures here in my notes that could command us to pray, I'm just going to assume that I don't have to prove to you that God wants us to be people of prayer. He doesn't want us to be. He commands us to be. Prayerlessness is sinfulness. I say that to my own shame, knowing how many times I do things on my own as opposed to waiting for the Lord. But this morning, as we go through this text, I'm just laid it out very simply, two practical steps for praying for other believers. And specifically, I want us praying for one another. Not just us. But I'm convinced that if we become the people of prayer in this class that God wants us to be, we can have a positive impact on our church. And a positive impact on our church will mean a positive impact on our community. And ultimately, God's going to be more glorified. So there's two practical steps for praying for other believers. And the first thing is this and I'm just modeling exactly on what Paul did pray for increasing knowledge could state it another way although that's what I've written in my notes pray for a greater understanding of the word Paul is very clear that he has been praying for them since the day we heard of it Paul had not actually met this church In all likelihood, he heard about the church from a man named Epaphras, who was a part of the church and had come all the way to Rome, a journey at that time that would be like going on foot from here to Washington, D.C., because Paul was in prison, we think, when this was written. And Epaphras brought this word, and Paul and his companions heard about it, and he says in verse 9, For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, and he's talking about, if you go back and look, and I won't read it, but if you go back in verses 3 through 8, he's talking about their genuine faith, their love for one another, that they have responded to the gospel, they've become believers. For this reason, since we heard about your love, your faith, that you're genuine believers, we've not stopped praying for you, And what he was praying is wrapped up in the second part of verse 9. And to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Now, these are the kind of phrases that for us can almost become numbing because we've read texts like this, we see these things. But I can't imagine something more necessary for the church today than this given that we're being bombarded relentlessly by falsehood. If you remember from my teaching from the end of First Peter chapter 5, our adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, seeking those he can devour. Misinformation is how he's devouring a lot of believers right now. To be filled isn't just to have more knowledge that you can recite, it's to be controlled by. It's to become the very fabric of our being. Filled with the knowledge of His will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding cannot come from anything other than the Word of God. This isn't a matter of earthly knowledge. This is a matter of spiritual truth and understanding. It's interesting. You see prayers like this and exhortations like this all over Scripture. There is no value in being ignorant of God's Word. For example, in Ephesians, and I'll just read it, There are other examples in different parts of Colossians, different parts of Philippians. But Ephesians chapter 1 verse 15, For this reason I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. Pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling and what are the riches of His inheritance in the saints and what is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe. One of the things that can happen at a church like Lakeside, we get good teaching as we can become almost overloaded with good teaching and not think about the fact that we need to ponder it. We need to think about it. We need to meditate upon it. The Bible makes it clear, growth, prosperity, and I don't mean the financial foolishness that so many things, I mean prosperity in the faith, comes from being deeply rooted in in God's Word. It's a very familiar text. Psalm 1. I'll just read a little bit. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked... Okay, well, the counsel of the wicked permeates our culture <laughs> and the world. Nor stand in the path of sinners. We trip over each other in that, or sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, its leaf does not wither, and whatever he does, he prospers. We really need... To take advantage of the privilege we have at Lakeside. God has revealed His will to us in His Word. We have all that we need for life and godliness. The man and woman of God can be adequate, equipped for every good work because of the Word. That's why you're here. That's why we exist. That's not all church is. We realize we're a little bit out of balance when it comes to prayer, but it is central to what the church does that you've got to preach the Word. But that's the pastoral side. The congregation side is you've got to be immersed in the Word. You've got to study the Word. You've got to meditate on the Word. Another aspect that I immediately gravitated to with the book of Colossians when I originally studied it, and I've got to tell you, the fact that it was written to a city in the middle of nowhere, what resonated with me is I was born in a city in the middle of nowhere. So <laughs> the, the I get it. If you've ever found yourself in Perry, it's probably because you got pulled over for speeding. I mean, there's nothing else there. That's all they do. But in the original setting that Paul was writing, Satan was already spreading error in the church. You can imagine as the apostle, he gets this report back that there's a body of believers in this little town. And he's excited. And he's praying diligently. And part of his prayer is that they won't fall prey to the error that was already permeating everything. You go back to Genesis chapter 3. And what did Satan first do? He questioned God's word. Did God really say? Is that, wait a minute. You sure he got that correct, Eve? He never has stopped. Twisting and distorting it. And that was what was happening in the era of the Colossian church. And that's what's happening more and more today. There's new truth and there's new insight. And we understand things better. And now we know really why the Word of God doesn't really mean what it says. We can explain it all the way because we have this enlightened knowledge. There's nothing new under the sun. That's been going on since God ever spoke the first time. It's continuing today. Here's the point. As you look around, every one of us, by and large, we show up on Sundays. If we can't be here, we're watching the live stream or we're going back and re-listening to it. Pray for one another that we actually understand what we're hearing. Not only that we understand it, but that we, and I'll show in a moment, that we apply it, but pray for us to understand. I say it over and over again, and, and I know you guys amen it because you understand it, but I still marvel at the privilege that this small church has with gifted Bible teachers. i never seen anything like it. I mean, I was at Grace Community Church for seven years. I was blessed. I went to seminary. The seminary's on campus. Bible teachers there are like shark's teeth. They keep popping out. <laughs> you got 7,000 people around. So you understand it. You come here and there's only 500 or so of us. God has gifted us with countless men. And if you're a part of the ladies' Bible study, with countless women that teach effectively. Pray for one another to actually understand it. To be filled with that knowledge. To be filled with the knowledge of His will. And also to not be led astray by all the error out there. As you would understand as being one of the pastors here, people often ask me questions about some teaching over here or some teaching over here. Or some new issue pops up and people are asking about it. I've gotten to where I almost can't keep track of that anymore in fact my wife could have tested this by and large i won't look into things anymore why because it doesn't matter it's like whack-a-mole there's so much error out there that if you try and go and debunk every error you won't ever study the word of god so i just got to keep coming back to the truth pray for us to come back to the truth pray for us to come back to the word of god pray for us to be content with god's word and not be enamored because we heard that somebody had a video on youtube that talked about something and let's all go there So pray for one another. Pray for increasing knowledge. Be like the Apostle Paul. You, even if you're just doing your prayer group, we're divided up. Add to the prayer request today for everybody in your group that they would have an increasing knowledge of the Word of God. So the first practical step, just pray for increasing knowledge. The second practical step is Praying for other believers is just as simple. It's a lot of verses, but it's this. Pray for increasing obedience. Pray for increasing obedience. What I love about how Paul presents this is it's one of those times where he says, I've been praying this, and then he tells you why he's been praying it. For this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we've not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all Spiritual wisdom and understanding, verse 10, and this is the critical part. So that, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. Our prayers are not just for us to understand the Word, but for us to live the Word. The first book of the Bible that I ever heard taught from beginning to end was the book of James. I'm partial to it. The first book I taught through in Faith Builders starting back in 2007 was James. But James 1.22 has never left my thinking. But prove yourselves doers of the word and not merely hearers who delude themselves. I think that's the great danger that we have of a church like Lakeside where we have such good teaching. We have great preaching all the time. The idea of Being merely a hearer, there was during the time that James was writing, there were people who would just go listen to wise people speak. They were professional hearers. Almost do the conference circuit. Just go listen to this person, that person. We have so much biblical teaching, particularly if you heard the same verse taught on before, that we can tune it out. We can't do that. In fact, again, for praying for each other, pray that not only we'll have a greater understanding of the word, but pray that we live it out day by day, week by week. Really, as the Bible does, it's saying the same thing in different words as everything we covered in First Peter. What did I say over and over was the major theme of first Peter, be holy as God is holy. That's what Paul's praying for. So that you'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects. Which is another way of saying so that you'll be holy as God is holy. And it's just our daily life. We should be praying for each other to be so obedient to the Word that we could say like Paul, be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. I'll say this and it sounds funny, but it would be wonderful if every single person in faith builders when they meet somebody new says, oh, you want to know how to be a Christian? Just watch me and do what I do. I don't think many of us (laughs) would be so bold to say that. And yet, we can pray for one another to be living just that very way. Again, this is one of those areas where there's a mindset in our culture that fosters an independent viewpoint i love i don't coordinate my teaching with pastor c but pastor c's first point today of when you're going through forgive my imprecise i've got it written down but when you're going through the trials have like-minded people with you there's a mindset in our current culture that just says do it however you want you're on your own be independent But that can't creep into the church. Certainly, it's my default setting. God's given me a certain abilities and a certain capacity with my mind, and at times I abuse it because I don't rely on other people. I just want to do things on my own. But we need to be praying for one another and caring for one another, and we need to be exhorting one another in that regard. Pray for others, for their spiritual walk, for their obedience. And Paul highlights several different areas that makes all of this a little bit more fuller picture, but it's the same basic idea. This is what walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects, looks like. He says, bearing fruit in every good work. We understand that's part of why we're called the Book of Ephesians, there's works prepared beforehand so that we'll walk in them. Jesus said in John fifteen, eight, My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. So we need to be praying that we are a fruitful body of believers. An interesting part about walking worthy is the next thing he says, increasing in the knowledge of God. It's interesting because he's already talked about praying for that, but an aspect of walking worthy is that increasing knowledge. And I could have said this before, but I'll say it now we have to resist the temptation to ever think that we know enough. To this day, sometimes Pastor Steve and I will talk to each other because if we remember sitting in his office talking to someone and they're not a part of Lakeside and their critique of Steve is, all you do is teach the Word. I I still think about it. Steve and I occasionally will mention it because it's so mind-boggling but here was the idea of this individual that was saying it. We, we know the Bible. Help us live life. That's a false choice. Because you don't know the Bible. I don't know the Bible. Romans chapter 11 has this statement in verses 33 to 36. All oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who became his counselor? Or who was first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. There are 66 books in the Bible and many of us we read on a yearly basis the books of the Bible. I can assure you that if you do that for a hundred years, you've not come close to the depth of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God. Don't ever convince yourself that you don't need to know more about God's Word. I've used this illustration in different contexts, but... When I was getting ready to go to seminary, by that point I had been a believer about seven years. And I was a diligent student. When I was first saved, I knew nothing. But Debbie and I took seriously. We were at church. We were in Sunday school where they were teaching the Bible. We were in the morning service. We were in the evening service. We joined small groups. I listened to... At the time, the internet wasn't what it is today. I listened to the radio I had about an hour drive. I was listening to the radio, Bible teachers all the time. Debbie had a job in sales. She was driving around all day. We were really serious. And so after seven years of that, I had learned a lot. And by that point, I'd been given the opportunity to teach in a Sunday school class a few times. I still remember the first text that I taught. And I really felt like I had learned a lot of God's Word. And I had this, uh, I was clearly convinced that I needed to go to seminary to learn more. But I had a mindset of this, as I know, the Word of God, if it's, you look around the room, if the Word of God is a pool this size, you know, I probably only know that corner. And there's a lot more to know because I'm only over in this corner and this a big pool. I need to learn a little bit more. And then one of the joys of seminary is for four years, you're just digging deep. And you're digging and reading. And by the time I was done, I realized I was a lot more ignorant than I ever thought I was. Because the Word of God was more like the ocean. And I knew about a thimble full. As odd as it may sound, I've been studying the Word of God since I got out of seminary. I've been here since 2007. The thing I love to do most is study. I still feel like I barely scratched the surface. In fact, I know when I get to heaven, I will have barely touched the Word of God, even if I live another 40 or 50 years. Here's the point. Don't be lulled into thinking, I already know enough. Now, Pause that. You do know enough to be holy as God is holy. Now, you need to know more. Particularly as the world gets harder and harder and more difficult. Particularly as things go from bad to worse. And particularly as the culture continually redefines good and evil. To make God's word hateful and evil. And to make sinful, earthly, base thinking good and elevated. Our only protection is the Word of God. So we pray, walking in a manner worthy of the Lord, this increasing obedience that includes bearing much fruit, increasing in knowledge. He also says this, strengthen with all power according to His glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience. In other words, it's an awareness that even with all of our efforts, it ultimately requires God to give us his strength, which he's promised to do, to do the heavy lifting of the Christian life. Pray for one another. Even in our prayer group, our prayer requests, several of us, including me, we need strength and endurance. I'm not quite sure what happened, but again, it just feels like I'm more tired all the time, than I ever have been. And it's not because I'm getting older, I'm sure of that. It must be something else. I'm not sure what it is yet. But you guys experience it. We're tired. Particularly when we're trying to walk forward in a world that's pushing against us. The Christian life, more than ever, and for as long as we're alive, we're swimming against the current, which means it's harder, and harder, and harder. Pray for one another to be strengthened. We're running out of time, so I'll just summarize the very end. Because this is, as I said, this is more exhortation than dissecting it word by word. But in the midst of praying, pray also for us to be thankful. Verse 12, he says, Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, for he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. And remember what Paul's doing. He's already said he's given thanks for them. He's praying for them to have a greater knowledge of God's word, so that they'll walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. And he knows that an aspect of walking in that way, living that way, is having a thankful heart that will give thanks to God. And I'm not throwing rocks at others because I add myself to this category. But right now, There seems to be a lot of struggle amongst Christians in America to be thankful because we're so frustrated by what we see. Feels like the ground shifted in in a generation under our feet at paces that we would have never believed everything has changed. And if we're not careful we can become known for being the loudest complainers. I loved what Steve said. Again, we don't coordinate things, but Paul's wisdom was rejected. And as Steve said, you don't see any evidence that he was standing up on the ship at that time just complaining loudly, spending all the journey explaining, well, you fools. Now, later in the text, Paul will give some additional things, but at the end of the day, several of the men in here, and I first heard it from a brother from the former Soviet Union. You ask him, how are you doing? And they say, better than I deserve. Some of us need to be reminded that that's the case. That's what Paul's doing here. God qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light, even though we're wicked sinners. We were in the domain of darkness and we were plucked out of that by God, transferred to the kingdom of His beloved Son, And if we're not careful, that's not enough for us. But I deserve, I have a right. We have to be careful. We should be the most thankful people in the world, even if America keeps going to pot. We don't have to like it. We certainly vote. We exercise our rights as citizens. Don't mishear me. But what I would ask you to do is step back and say, what if the worst scenario I can think of for our country comes to pass? You should still be the most thankful person in the world. Because what you deserve is hell. And what you've been given are unfathomable riches in Christ. So I pray that we'll apply this for one another. I'm not naive. If you look around the room and say, I'm going to pray for every single person in here, exactly that will fall on our face. Pick one person. Start small. But look at this text and pray it. Pray for these things. Again, I'm not speaking at you. I'm convicting myself. I need to be doing this. As in many other areas, I used to do this more frequently. It's fallen off. There's no excuse. I need to start doing it again. So let's be models of prayer for one another for the impact that God would have us have on our local church and on our community, on the world. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would convict my heart Lord, I know the number of times I've neglected to pray this way. Lord, forgive me for my lack. I pray that you would strengthen me to be diligent to pray for other believers along the lines of how Paul prayed for the believers in the city of Colossae. I pray for all of us, Lord. However much we pray, we can pray more. And I do ask that we would be convicted and encouraged to lift one another up in prayer. That we would pray that we would understand the Word of God better because there's no other source that we can rely on for truth in this dark, dark world. And I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't just become better at understanding Your Word, but I pray that we would live out Your Word living holy as you are holy, walking in a manner worthy of you, pleasing you in all respects. Lord, I know prayer is one of those topics, like evangelism, where we can immediately feel guilty. And that's okay, Lord. But I pray that our guilt wouldn't paralyze us. Pray that we would claim the promises of 1 John 1, 9... If we confess our sin, you are faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you can do that for our prayerlessness. So I pray, Lord, that you would encourage us, you would prod our hearts to be a people of prayer for one another. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.